dog status, now I'm a big dog bitch. I pull up on the block in a big Corvette. Yeah. Riding around the city with a stick all black. Yeah. Try with a stoke, we ain't with all that. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Welcome to yeah, the Rock yeah, Project, yeah, the place where you will learn how to thrive and grow in every aspect of life, family, entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech and marketing using real, raw, and 100%. No bullshit proving tactics. My name is Ivan Temelkov, and I'm your host. I hope you weren't expecting anybody else. And today I am joined with Stephanie Kroll. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thanks, Ivan. Appreciate it. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. And before we start chatting about your story and what you're doing today and telling us a little bit about your accomplishments, I want to share with the viewers and listeners a little bit about your background so they know where you come from. So Dr. Stephanie Kroll's favorite title is not doctor, past dean of schools in higher education for profit, allied health schools, or current co-owner of a real estate school. Her favorite title is simple dog owner. I like that. She will be the first to tell you her proudest accomplishment was saving her dog's life despite getting contradictory advice from top vets. Her boy is now living a vibrant and happy life filled with energy, love, and vitality. She teaches dog owners how to optimize their dog's health by implementing a unique nutrition plan, which was based in science and common sense. Okay, so past dean of schools and higher education to dog lover. All right, let's make the connection on that. Like, how did you get, let, let's, let's go back. Tell us a little bit about, you know, your upbringing, your story. How did you get into higher ed? You know, where you've been, what you've seen, and how did you get into being a, a pet lover? Um, my mom wouldn't like this, but she forced me to go to college. Okay. <laughs> it's the truth of the matter. I mean, I was always an animal person. Um, mm. You know, I pick up anything off the, I was, you know, I grew up in rural Michigan, you know, so there's opportunity to, you know, dig out anything out of a ditch or, you know, I found a dog in a ditch once and then it became mine. You know, I had, sure you know, ducks and things that I found and one had a broken wing. So that became mine. I just, you know, I would just go around collecting animals, um, mm -hmm. you know, as a kid and I was an only child. So when my mom went out to look for me, she just looked for my dog. You know, when I was born, that's how that, that I had a dog and that's how she'd find me. Um, you know, cause okay. I'm out on several, like 200 acres, you know, it's a, it's a lot of space out there. Um, so I just have always been a dog and horse person. Mm -hmm. Um, when I became like somewhere around five, I took my first riding lessons. Um, and then I competed professionally for over 25 years riding horses. So, um, it just kind of made sense. You know, I mean, I, I was around veterinarians constantly and that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a horse vet. Um, I started out on a program for kids for six years. It was like pre-veterinary for kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and I did that really successfully when I got into it, I became a vet tech. Um, when I was 16 and that was my first real job that I got paid for. I mean, my other jobs were mucking stalls and <laughs> training <laughs> horses that they couldn't handle. Right. So, right. um, you know, so then when I was 16, I did that for three years into college. Um, and, uh, my mom goes, well, you can't become a vet if you don't go to college. I'm like, I just, uh, I didn't have to become a, I didn't have to go to school to become sure. a vet tech, you know, I mean, sure. you do now, but you didn't have to do that back in the day. So. Um, but I loved it, but then certain things happened, like, um, people would come in and they'd want to put their dog to sleep because they don't want it anymore. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it. Um, and you know, being an animal lover, like I, you know, started having issues where I'm like, um, I don't want to do this. You're not going to put some random animals to sleep because you're stupid, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. which is what I thought. Uh, so I said, either I'm going to have a farm with like random gobs of animals on, you know, hundreds of acres, <laughs> you know, like a Dr. Doolittle situation, yeah. um, or probably maybe I shouldn't go into this, you know, sure. and I'm glad I did um, because now I can actually heal animals. And, you know, now fast forward two decades, I would have been responsible for creating disease in animals, um, Sure. which would have been really dramatic to me at this point in my life. So I actually avoided it. You know, you do certain things and you end up in certain directions for certain reasons. And I'm super grateful. I was going to be a horse vet, but you have to get through small animal to get yeah. to large animal. Um, I don't know if you have to now, but that was 20 years ago, plus 20 plus years ago. So, um, right. 
I'm just, you know, I'm just glad that I didn't go that way. Yeah. So what was, I mean, you know, thinking, thinking back through, through this journey, like very earlier on when you said you, be, you became a vet tech and you really took a strong passion and interest towards animals. Yeah. Was there something that really like drew you in that you, that, that like to this day, it's almost like a purpose, I guess, in a way, or does it still resonate to this day with you that like keeps reeling you in? It does. And kind of the reason I'm back into helping dogs and eventually mm-hmm. going to move into horses and things um, is because it's never gone away. Um, but it's also because the world has changed with COVID and everything. Sure. Um, people are considering health, wellness, those types of things. Mm-hmm. I'm also um, an autoimmune person who reverses autoimmune diseases. So I'm a functional medicine practitioner. and I started doing that six years ago. So it was a natural progression. And it for, was for humans uh, autoimmune. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. Yep. So, you know, your type two diabetes and your high blood mm-hmm. pressure. If you just Google autoimmune, there's quite a list of the reason I asked is because uh, my wife has an autoimmune uh, disorder. It's called Shorgan syndrome, S J O R G E N, I believe. And let's yes. just say that it was a clusterfuck trying to figure out what the hell this thing was. Okay. Like I think yeah. multiple doctors that, you know, I mean, I've known her for almost 11 years now. So, uh, you know, I'd love to hear actually more about that as well, especially because, you know, in reality, they're not that uncommon nowadays. And and I think a lot of it, you know, short is a very unique one. I mean, having kids yeah. also, like, I think my son kind of has a little bit of that. It has to do with like dry skin and stuff like that and watery mm-hmm. eyes and, you know, but, uh, and, and I think in adults, it's a little bit more extreme. So, uh, we'd love to hear more about that, but just to go back, not, not to, not to steal your thunder on, um, sure. you know, the, the, uh, the, the conversation that you, that you were going with. So you are, so how much of your time is spent, you know, on the veterinarian side and how much of your time is, is devoted to like, you know, uh, catering to autoimmune disease and helping humans. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of, I also part own a real estate school, so Mm -hmm. I'm kind of working on transitioning that kind of back a little bit. Um, and I do mainly is what, and and the goal is to be mainly, you know, working with autoimmune diseases with people, but my true passion and love is, um, working with dogs and pet yeah. owners, you know, to reverse disease and pain. Like my, my ultimate, if, if somebody says, you know, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? It's to reverse disease and pain in dogs and cats and horses, um, yeah. you know, around the world. Uh, you know, when you hit 40, I don't know if you were there yet. Oh, I am. Pretty, I'm 41. <laughs> oh, looking good. You look pretty young. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when you kind of hit that 40 ish age, you yeah. kind of start to think, am I doing what I want to do? Should I have yeah. maybe done something else? Uh, is this feasible, you know, for having a decent quality of life? Because now you're getting towards the second half, yeah. you know, and you realize yeah. you got one life. Um, so I kind of hit that, you know, well, I hit that a little early. It was like when I was 35. Um, and that's when I got out of higher education. So my doctorate is in education, yeah. being an educator, dean of schools, mm-hmm. um, ran schools for two decades, you know, I was okay. a professor, you know, did all that kind of stuff. And then when I got out of that, that's when I went into, I became a certified health and well, wellness coach and a certified functional medicine practitioner. Um, and that's what I've done for the last six years, in addition to co-owning the real estate school. Sure. But I was always trying to get out of education, right? Yeah. The for-profit industry really took a turn eight years ago, and it was a really great time to get out uh, because I was working, you know, eight to 10 hours a day, yeah. six days a week. Everybody yeah. around me was, it's, it's a very stressful position, you know, cause you've got to keep a lot of balls in the air. You know, you've got accreditation and title four funding and you got to meet all those metrics. And then you've got to make sure the yep. students are all happy. And then you've got your staff and you're training and developing and it's wonderful. And I had a wonderful staff and I was really good at it. Um, but I just, you know, long-term I really, I'm an outdoors person. I mean, I rode yep. horses for 25 years. That's yep. really where my love is to be outside you know, and I'd be in a building and I didn't know if it was raining outside or even what time of day it was (laughs) anymore, you know, and I just got to the point where I was like, you know, when one political party takes over and other certain things are, um, get more advantageous and certain things not. and there was a lot of funding issues that started hitting those for-profit schools and those people need loans. 
you know, so, um, a couple of things that while they're on the tip of my brain that you said that I think are really important. And um, so uh, uh, when you said when you get to your 40s, so, you know, I turned 41 <laughs> in January of this year. And let's just say that I had one of those what the fuck Ivan moments, right? But <laughs> it was, and I think in part, the Roz project started six years ago as kind of a journey to self-discovery in a way. Uh, because now that I'm 41 years old, honestly, and I look back at, you know, the last 25 years, like I, I think to myself, there's so much shit that went on that either I could not control or didn't matter. Yeah, literally. And now at 41, I'm like, you said one life, which is actually um, for a long time, I wore a hat that said one life on it uh, until I found out that I couldn't register as a trademark. But that was actually going to be a brand, One Life, because you do live one life. You know, yeah. you, you live once. And I think, you know, as an immigrant also, in part, I, I've, I've now 41 is like, I've realized that, you know what? I mean, you, you pave your own path. You do whatever yeah. the fuck you want to. You know, set your mind to whatever you want to do. Forget about validation. Forget about acceptance. Forget about what your family or friends are, are saying. Just go do whatever the fuck you want. What makes, what makes you happy? What makes you fulfilled? Right. As you were as you were talking about. And that's where kind of personal development kind of came into play, actually, about a year and a half ago, I think, into this podcast, really, because it doesn't matter whether you, you want to be a vet or work with dogs or cure diseases. At the end of the day, principally, it's about finding what makes you happy, what gives yeah. you fulfillment. Right. What are you going to get up every day and say, you know what, I'm excited about today. You know, I'm alive. I get to go work yeah. with with dogs. I, I get to help cure diseases. And yeah. you know what? I'm not fucking doing it for money. I'm not doing it for someone else's satisfaction. I'm doing it because I want to do it. I choose to do it. Yeah. And that is so important because the reality of things is, you know, 80% of Americans live to paycheck, paycheck to paycheck and think that's the way they were meant to live their lives. Literally yeah. to get up, go to a dead end job. Most times they even fucking hate the job, you know, and they're afraid to leave the cubicle, leave the office, you know, yeah. because they feel like they have no other choice. Well, to have another choice, to make your own choice is always the hardest. That's the reality of it. But it's the most fulfilling from a long term perspective. That's why it takes time. Like, you know, you said, I mean, you've been in real estate, you've been in higher education, right? You've done all these things, but your real passion came down to working with dogs and also being involved in auto, autoimmune diseases. Mm -hmm. So that, that's a good thing. You know, that is something you're contributing, yeah. you're creating impact in the world. Yeah. And the reason I, I wanted to spend a couple of minutes talking about this is because you would be fucking surprised at what people have floating in their heads, but how they present themselves and they finally see in reality of how unhappy they are, how yeah. stressed and depressed they are. I mean, we just escaped one of the toughest years in human history. Yeah. I mean, stress, all time high, depression, all time high, suicide, all time high. Why? Because people are not making choices. They're not choosing themselves. They yeah. think that they need to live for someone else. Like you said, you know, it would make my mom happy, you know, to say that I think you said what you went to college. Right. But and I remember this because, I mean, I dropped out of college and let's just say that my parents had such high hopes. I would have been the first one in our entire family to graduate college. Right. Talk mm -hmm. about a huge fucking disappointment. Right. In doing that. But that's just it. It's important for us to make our own choices and find yeah. our own path, find the things that make us happy. You know, because I know for sure that you probably are at a point where you're like, is money more important or is purpose more important? And I think purpose is probably more important because yeah. that gives you more more longevity. Right. So hence why you said that, you know, you were slowly easing out of the real estate school. Obviously, you left the higher education circuit, which, yes. by the way, I've had minor involvement in that. And once I found out how political that shit was, I was like, get me the fuck out. Like, I, I don't. I mean, it's more political than political campaigns are almost like you said, funding and this and that. And it's 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 it, there's a lot more to it. And, and I get it that people get into higher education because they, they want to teach. Right. They they don't want to give back. They want to create impact. But man, the political side of it is like, really? 
Like, I mean, we're trying to infuse change, but we're getting more political about it than actually focusing on the impact and change that we're looking to uh, create. So how long ago was it that, or are you, let me see if I can rephrase the, the, the question here. I know you said you were, you know, transitioning out of the real estate school and yeah. obviously you, you're working on helping, um, you know, humans with the autoimmune disorder and then also trying to focus your time on really just, just working with dogs. Long term, yeah. is it just working with dogs is what you want to do? If I can, if I can absolutely do that and kind of support a reasonable life. Yeah. Um, I, I love nothing more than to uh, wake up every day and do my video chats or calls or, you know, some clients just want to call someone to do video chats, um, sure. you know, all over the world. Um, Cause my book's all over the world. So I could have any client, um, right. Wants to, you know, give their dog a better life. Um, just, yeah, that's, that's my, that's my perfect life is just talk, talk about dogs, talk to dogs <laughs> for the rest of my life. I mean, Sure. It's just who I am. It's just where I've been. You know, I've done a lot of other things, like you said, and I was really good at them. And those were really great. Um, but when I think of quality of life, you know, balance is really important to me as I get older. Yeah. Um, I just really need, I need to be able to go out to take a walk. <laughs> I need to know what time of day it is and not be, and have windows. Windows are good. Um, you know, just yeah. when you've yeah. worked like I have, you know, when I went to college, I didn't take out any loans. I worked three jobs, went to school over full time, never took out a student loan. Wow. Best thing I ever did. Right. Um, and I'm so happy I did, but I've never not worked, you know, 16 on. I've not only worked, you know, one job, three jobs. I've always worked. So to be able in this second half to do what I want, you know, like in education, like you said, I've helped a lot of yeah. families. I've raised up a lot of families who became the first educated you know, took them up to a higher even income bracket for their families. Because sure. in for-profit, we're talking about, you know, uh, careers they have jobs for, medical assisting, dental assisting, you know, cardiographic sonography, those kind of programs. You were kind of talking about traditional education earlier. Um, right. This is this is like non-traditional. This is for-profit. So, um, you know, so I, I've done kind of the first two decades for other people and it was great and I was good at it and life was grand, yeah. but... Yeah it's time that I am able, and now that it's available, you know, I got my certification in raw dog food nutrition. Yeah. It, I'm quite sure that didn't exist over 25. I know it didn't exist over 20 plus sure. years ago. I could have saved myself a lot of grief in eight years of school, but if I happened to run into that, you know, all those years ago, I probably would have just done that. Um, you know, I, I want to segue and, and talk more a, a little bit about, you know, um, a dog health and wellness and nutrition, you know, mm -hmm. uh, as they say, a dog is a uh, is a man's best friend, so to speak, right? As, yeah. as the saying goes. But uh, there there's something that you said um, that uh, a little bit ago. You said that I want to be able to look outside and know, you know, if it's raining or sunshine. And um, yeah, you know, I think the world that we live in, we are very conditioned to believe what, what we're told to believe uh, based on what we see and what we're forced to experience to the point where, you know, the, where I'm going with this is, uh, for instance, I've been a cyclist for eight years. And what, when my journey started out as cycling was more about, you know, let's just lose some weight, you know, get into shape to now it's, it, it's my mind therapy. I shit you not, you know, yeah. it's like, I'll cycle 70 miles a week. And it's like the best 70 miles I spend every week. You know, yeah. just like on the bike, clarity, focus, completely uninterrupted and yeah. I have the best business ideas, the most clarity that I get in life, you know, just right. so much happens. But you were saying that, you know, humans were meant to be implanted in a fucking chair like I'm sitting, you know, we're yeah. meant to, to experience to be outside in the world, you know, mm -hmm. uh, take in the sunshine, hear the birds chirping, take a walk, you know. And that's when you truly realize that there's more to life than just money and monetary things and bullshit that we're told in this mediocre world to believe. Right. But most people are afraid to experience that. And now more than ever, I feel like more and more people are afraid to go out on a walk or a jog or just to sit on the bench, you know, for an hour because you can. Who says that you can't? You know, and, and watch the sun or maybe sitting by the lake, you know, hear, hear the waves, the water, you know, gushing like like why? Why can't you do that? Who says that you can't? 
right? Society? Well, you get to choose. <laughs> Society doesn't live your life, right? right? So that was a really, really key uh, component that I want to mention that I know in entrepreneurship specifically, you know, finding ways to decompress is really important because, you know, as an entrepreneur, I mean, you know, this things are really crazy, right? Because sure. let's just say that there's a lot of days where it feels like you're doing more than you ever did. And the outcome, the result seems like slim to none, right? It's like, I'm putting all this time, all this effort. Where's the payoff on this, right? Yes. Because our time is valuable because let's face it, you love working with dogs, but you also got to make a living, right? You got to make money somehow because let's face it. I mean, someone's got to pay the electrical bill, right? You got to put food on the table, right? That's the reality of it. So uh, that's really key that you mentioned. What I want to ask you is... uh, is when it comes to dogs specifically in the way that you work with your clients now, what are some of the most common scenarios they encounter? Like maybe the top three that you can think of. I'm just curious. One of the, probably one of the ones that is most sad to me is someone who has tried raw food before with their dogs and, yeah. or their cats. And they're like, Oh, it just didn't work. Um, if you do it right, it works. And so people get discouraged, you know, because there's like several different types of raw. I mean, when people say raw too, sometimes they're now thinking just the prepared raw, which is the commercialized pet food, yeah. which like I talk in my book is like McDonald's, right? It's McDonald's right. for dogs or cats. Um, just to give people an idea. That's how I like approach those types of things. So I use right. my like health and wellness for people and I weave that in so people understand how that really relates to their actual pets and what they're actually feeding them. So that's always the saddest. Um, when I get those people coming to me, I'm like, okay, this is how it works. And this is why it didn't work. And let's get this into your life. Those are what my consultations are like. Um, mm-hmm. I would say what I see them come to me with, of course, are allergy symptoms, inflammation, allergies, itching, yeah. all the yeah. stuff you've seen the Aquaquel commercials on television. It's the latest drug. I, now that I say it, you'll see it. There's the, I think it's a pug on there and they're, you know, oh, may cause death. <laughs> okay. It's great. May um, cause death. Sure. I'll try it. Right. Yeah. But people don't read that. They don't think about it. And then yeah. they just trust the veterinarian, you know, who does have the degree and they don't. I mean, one of the biggest things I tell people is just because someone has a degree, you shouldn't passively do what they tell you. You should still use common sense, which yeah. is really lost today too. Um, and really realize that what they're telling you really makes sense. Um, and then I, I cover ways to know you have a good veterinarian and ways to know that you just someone mm. who's sticking to the old methods, hasn't updated themselves at all. Um, Edu- education, is- right. Education relevance. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to mention, actually, that, that you said um, uh, a little bit ago, are you still there? Stephanie, are you still there? Are you still there? Oh, there you are. Oh my gosh. It just like blew up. I was like, Oh my God, what's going on? <laughs> this is a new laptop for God's sake. Okay. Sorry, it's, I'm back. it's okay. No, it's all right. Um, so the question I actually was or m- more of a, a comment that I wanted to make when you said that um, most people, when they try raw food with their dogs, they get discouraged, right? Yeah. They get discouraged and then they just don't try. Right. What's really key about that is that sure. I think it's, So I believe that a lot of what we do in life and in business is mental. So Mm -hmm. it's not, I don't think it's much about the food. It's about the fact that they're getting discouraged and they just don't want to try. Think about it. Right. Is this a human being is that I used to do this when I was younger, honestly, like I would fuck up at something, whether it was intentional or intentional. And I'd say, okay, I'm no good. I'm not going to try again. Yeah. Like you, the chances are, 
and correct me if I'm wrong here, but if you're giving your dog raw food, maybe you're giving the wrong fucking brand because there is that, that kind of thing out there. I mean, let's face it, not every dog is going to appeal to, uh, you know, any brand of raw food that you give them, right? In my mind, any commercialized pet food doesn't account for biological factors, you know, mm the dog's biology, the fact that they've got a one chambered stomach means that they eat one category of food at a time, right? So today's okay. a meat day, tomorrow's a fruit day, next day is a vegetable day. So any food that's mixing all of that is technically biologically inappropriate. Um, okay. So I can't say that I would endorse any commercial. I mean, and, you know, think about a wolf, your dog, do you have a dog? Cat, I used anything. to, I don't right now. The dog you used to have, yeah. um, you know, is 99% biologically the same as a wolf. Yeah. Okay. okay. So think about why, why are we feeding differently? Number one, like, sure. Right. Think about that's number one. Um, but number two is when they eat some prey, you know, a rabbit, whatever they're grabbing out there in the, a squirrel, just think of the fat content on that animal. Mm. Minimal, very, very minimal. They're out okay. running. They're not eating grains, which is where all the fat comes from um, and not storing toxins. And so when a wolf eats that, they're good to go. But when we have that in our commercialized pet food, you're looking, if you flip over any dog food bag, you could go to any dog store. Mm -hmm. it, you're talking somewhere 20, 30% and sometimes more on the, on the ones that have duck and things in it. Um, that's dogs can't take that. And then you wonder why dogs are running around with pancreatitis and things. It's just. You're gobbing them down with synthetic supplements, which they mm -hmm. mix in, yeah. right? Because every all the nutrition's burned out of the food. Because if not, then you get the list of listeria and salmonella, right? I'm not aware of any research where a dog's gotten sick from raw food, but there's literally lists that you can get on for your email if a dog food's been recalled. Sure. Think you about know, those things. Not good. So you you mentioned something there. So I used to have a Sheltie growing up. In fact. Uh, bought bought him uh, his name was tony and i actually buried tony. him because Adorable. yeah tony was was his name and he was a sheltie like uh, the smaller shelties not like the bigger yep. shelties the smaller shelties and um you know i remember the day i think we, we spent like 300 bucks uh, that we bought him I mean, it was just this tiny little puppy getting so attached i was oh my god i think i was 16 years old so that was a long fucking time ago but and he lived, oh my God, I want to say 15 years, I want to say roughly. But when you were talking about nutrition specifically, because towards the end, it was, you know, it was organ malfunction and, and he was like basically being fed $400 worth of pills every month, just basically keeping him on life support more right. or less. And right. of course that's when, you know, immobility comes in. Right. And they, they yeah. get a little stagnant and all of that. And, you know, your shit is going sideways. But when we were talking about some of the nutritional facts of the food, I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure that we didn't give them the right food yeah. because I don't think, I mean, this was, you know, so I'm, I'm 41, 16. So he lived until I was close to 31, I believe 30, 31, somewhere in, in that vicinity. You know, he lived for, for, for a while, great dog, you know, uh, very happy, very cheerful, very jumpy, very energetic, you know, always running around. But I know the nutrition wasn't because it was kind of like what you were saying is conditioned to believe that, you know what, you buy Purina dog food, you know, because that's what you do. That's what you see on TV, right? That, you know, Purina, best for your dog, blah, blah, blah. And then years later, of course, like all these different brands started coming out and we're like, you know what, we're, we're not, it's kind of like, how would you feel if you, if you got shitty nutrition, how would your dog feel? Imagine that. And here you're saying that a dog is a, is a men's best friend, but you're not giving them. So I think there was a lack of education, honestly, oh, you know, sure. and I think a lot of people are dog lovers nowadays. There's a lot of dog lovers. And yeah. in fact, we're looking to actually get another dog. It's just, we're waiting to buy the dream house next year. So I actually have space, you know, for a dog to run around because the type yeah. of dog that, that I'm, I'm, I'm considering to, to get is not going to be like a Sheltie, you know, it's going to be more like a mid-sized dog. You know, and you need room for a mid-sized dog, you know, mm -hmm. to, to run around. I mean, I like labs. I like German shepherds also. I think German shepherds are very obedient. I like that. They, they like to play with kids if you train them right also. But 
like to your point is this that you know i think a lot of dog lovers at least from what i'm hearing you say they're just not educated on nutrition they don't they don't know what's good for their dogs and their condition and almost brainwashed into whatever else everybody else is saying right it's true yeah and the world has changed you know mm-hmm. there's the world's turned specialty right so whether it's medical doctor for you and i um, or a functional medicine doctor, you know, just like a a traditional veterinarian holds the similar capabilities for dogs that a traditional MD would hold, which is kind of what I, I try to explain to people where to go for help, you know, and what they need. If you're expecting a traditional veterinarian to give you nutrition, health, and wellness support, you're asking him for something that just isn't their job. Um, it's just not their job. Um, if you go, you can, anybody could Google this. You could go to university, uh, Michigan state university, just off the top of my head, sure. traditional veterinary school, right? Pull the curriculum, read it. You're not going to see health, wellness, nutrition. You're just, it's, it's not part of what they do now, holistic veterinarian, but that's a veterinarian who has traditional training and has gone on to get holistic training. Sure. Even in that sense, it dep- it's dependent on where they go. And it's just really beginning. You know, it's not really out there. And then you've got Chinese medicine and homeopathy. And um, when I look through all that and my dog got sick, you know, I met with the top people in the world because I didn't want to do surgery. And they told me I had three to four months, whether I did surgery or whether I didn't do it. And I'm a super logical person, very common sense person. And I said, "Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. But they're like, if you surely don't get the surgery, you'll definitely kill him. (laughs) Okay. Um, he's a very sensitive dog. Like you were saying, lab, super chill. If he was like that, I might've just did what they said. But when we did the biopsies, personality changed for a month. What kind of a um, dog was it? Or what kind of a dog do you have? Don't mind me he's asking. a Parson Jack Russell Terrier. So the tall okay. Jack Russell Terriers, actually. No, no, no pictures. These are hound dogs. But, um, you know, so I just knew surgery was not I didn't want to put him through that change right. his personality traumatizes life. He's already, he's apparently dying. And I also refuse to let him die. Um, he's sure. just the best dog ever. I've had a lot of dogs um, in my life, but he is a person. He literally sits at the table for Thanksgiving, like a gentleman and he eats with us. I mean, he's just, he's amazing. Sure. We bike together. I bike too. We bike together. He goes right on my little, he has a little seat um, that nice. he sits in. He's my buddy. You know, I mean, we sleep together, sleeps on my head practically. Um, You know, we're just inseparable. Uh, So I just said, I've got to find a better way. And so I went through every discipline of veterinary medicine and I ended up landing on diet. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I mean, and I think to what you were saying, back to what you were saying is that I think when it comes to medicine, especially dog medicine, I think it's probably about the same when it comes to human medicine. It's just like, there's so much reliance on medication and like traditional tactics that, you know, in this day and age, it's just like, how about trying something different? Cause, cause think about it. I mean, you were told that, you know, he had about three to four months to live, whether mm-hmm. you did or you didn't do the surgery, which initially is like, okay, so why would I do the surgery? Isn't right. that supposed to help with longevity? And that's yeah. when you immediately go like, wait, you know, I'm not stupid. So like, obviously this doesn't make sense. Yeah. You tried something different because when you look at it, I mean, in that scenario, it's a 50, 50 crap shoot. My dog might die or he might live. Right. So, but you were already told that he wasn't going to live. So like, what's the worst that would happen? Right. Yeah. The, the, was... the best that would happen is he would live, which yeah. he did. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the worst didn't happen because you found the anomaly in that situation. Yeah. It just didn't make sense to me. So, you know, I, I went like sleepless days, 24 hours straight researching. I figured I had no time and I, my goal was not to kill him. (laughs) So, you know, I researched and researched and what I found is thankfully what did save his life. Um, and now that I've been in groups, I'm in gobs of healing groups, thousands of dogs that have healed from blindness, deafness, mast cell tumors, stuff that you wouldn't think you could pop. Oh yeah. It's, it's out there. You just have to look. Um, I can tell you, um, and it's, it's, it's a matter of understanding biology and how the body heals and how the body creates disease. And it's simple principles. If you understand that, which is what's in my book, um, then you know how to get out of it. Like autoimmune diseases, you basically, you eat your way into type two diabetes. You can eat your way out. 
you know by um, changing things one thing that i wanted to mention as you were as you were talking about like you know these groups that um that you are a part of mm-hmm. that you, you mentioned that, you know, it's, it's, it's out there, right? Like yeah. you said, some dogs, you know, have healed from, I was yeah. actually trying to find something here real quick. You said some dogs have healed from like blindness, you know, so, you know, different diseases and such. Yeah. And one of the things that you actually brought up is just the, first of all, I think dog owners lack optimism, but that really stems from, I wouldn't say all, but some obviously lack yeah. optimism. And then, I think they also look for an instant gratification. It's like, okay, well, you know, John's dog recovered from blindness because X, Y, Z happened. His nutrition changed or whatever, right? Something. So my dog is blind. So if I do that, then it, then he's going to recover from blindness too. No, there's no guarantee, but sure, try it. That's the optimism. Try it, right? Yeah. But there's no guarantee. And I think principally i mean that's as human beings a lot of humans get frustrated because they see that something works for others also and they think that it's going to work for them also yeah it's about the principles of vitality if Mm. you've like if you have you know like you said your dog in your situation had a bazillion different drugs if you've created so much toxicity and then you're seeing all these fatty tumors which is the body's way of isolating toxins away from the organs to preserve life whether that's people or pets these things are not age related these things are toxicity related you see arthritis things like that a dog can't jump up anymore a week a week after i had transitioned him he was bouncing around like actually over bouncing because for a few years he wasn't you know what i mean he had to get his aim back well, then he had an eyesight issue and now he's literally seeing, um, little tiny dots of ants. You know, he, if you moved your hand here, he couldn't see that he was having night vision issues. You could see his eyes blowing up clear. Um, beautiful. He actually grew an entire new coat of hair, the entire coat of hair. And how sad is that, that your dog can't even grow no. the appropriate length of hair he was supposed to grow because he was, you know, being covered in toxins. And I, you know, luckily learned about titers. I always tell people, if you're a veterinarian, as I've talked to you about titers, which is the same thing with people, right? If you got your measles, mumps, and rubella shot, and you're wondering, Mm -hmm. gee, do I still have immunity? You get a titer. So if your vet, I mean, it is more expensive, but if your vet doesn't at least mention it to you, then they really care about health and wellness. They can't. Why give a vaccination, make your dog toxic when they're up here and they're immune. You can't get more immune to being immune, right? One thing that when you were mentioning this, that, that I wanted to touch upon, and you mentioned this earlier, is just that, that you help dog owners also find the right vet, because I think, yeah. um, you know, traditional veterinary medicine is different than modern medicine. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of it, which really kind of brings up, you know, the, the necessity for kind of having those modern veterinarians who, you know, are, are continuing educating them, continuously educating themselves on modern techniques. And you, you talked about things like, okay, maybe if you change diet or different food, or you did something different, remove those toxins, which, you know, maybe the traditional veterinarian wouldn't tell you about. Well, they, they're not trained in that. They get their training mm-hmm. on their food. Think about what you're going to get at a clinic, right? You're going to go there if your dog is sick. So the mm-hmm. science diets and those types of food are prescriptive diets for already diseased pets, right? So if you're going to a doctor who really treats disease with drugs and surgery. You shouldn't expect to get nutrition out of that or disease prevention. You go right. there when they're sick and they need, they're at, you know, the latest hour. Um, so I don't, you know, suggest go, I suggest to go to a veterinarian if you've broken a leg, or if you've got uncontrollable blood or there's an emergency, that's when you go. And that's when you would go to sure. a medical doctor, right? For health, yeah. wellness, yeah. you're talking nutritionists, functional medicine doctors, holistic doctors. That's your health restoration, prevention, um, you know, that kind of thing. But truly for dogs are very simple. If you're feeding them properly, you're removing the burden of toxicity, drugs, right. chemicals that you put on or in them chemicals that you walk them through on a dog walk, you know, think about a subdivision and neighbors who treat their yard with all these chemicals and you walk your dog through that and you come home and you don't wash their paws. Um, it goes right to their bloodstream. Just like my Uh, autoimmune clients. I tell my autoimmune clients, 
if whatever you put on your skin, your face, your makeup, it goes right to your bloodstream. So if you can't eat it, don't put it on your body. You're creating toxicity. So this is the same thing for people that I would tell pets. It's just think, yeah. you know, think common sense. Let's just step back and go, is this a good idea? Just- yeah, it's, it's, you know, you mentioned the, the, the example with, you know, treating your yard and then your dog steps in the yard and it goes yeah. to a bloodstream. I mean, most people just either A, are uneducated or B, they're just completely ignorant to that. You know, so it's one of the two, honestly, I think uh, it's probably one that they're uneducated. I don't think that if a dog steps in someone's yard, it's got all that like fertilizer and shit that they put in the yard to keep the lawn nice and green or whatever condition, depending on what parts of the country you live in too. That's another thing that is toxic, you know, for, and goes straight to the bloodstream. Um, before I forget, I know you have a book also, um, I wanted to, to spend a couple of minutes talking about your book. Uh, yeah. What the pest industry is not telling you, developing good practices for a healthier dog, which yeah. is available on Amazon, correct? It is available nationally, internationally at any bookstore in the world, as well as Amazon, you know, Barnes okay. and Noble. You can find it. You just type my name in. It's under Dr. Stephanie Kroll. Um, Just type it in. You'll find it. It'll pop up. Okay. Awesome. So let's, let's uh, tell us a little bit about the book. You know, what, what inspired you to write the book and uh, what are some of the key takeaways, you know, that dog owners can, can acquire from that? Yeah. What, what mainly inspired me to write it was I fixed my dog who I was told I was going to kill, (laughs) you know, and like I told you, I was a vet tech. I assisted in surgeries and vaccinations 20 years ago. Um, You know, when I compare that knowledge and, you know, the 25 years of knowledge I had just about horses mm-hmm. and dogs and all that stuff. And then I ended up in my almost, I mean, I ended up against a wall three to four months with three to four months without, you know, right. you got three to right. four months is what right. that means. Um, and he was 11 at the time. He's going to be 14. Um, and so, you know, I just said to myself, I said, what do I love? I love dogs and horses. And at this point in my life, you know, the mm-hmm. over 40 thing, I just said, to not give this to the world for people who love their dog. I, you know, my clients are people who mad love their dog. My clients are people who are willing to create their own diet in their own house because it's the only way to know what's in there. Sure. If people want to know what's in dog food, you can go to the FDA.gov. The FDA doesn't really qualify dog food because they don't consider it food. They consider it feed. That statement, yeah, that statement in its own should be a problem for you. It, it is not, a problem. Like, how is it not, not me? That's yeah. a quote from them. So literally, if you go to the FDA.gov, wow. they've done gobs of studies. I just saw a study they did. 30 top dog food brands had phenobarbital in them. You know what that's used for? Uh, probably something that, well, go ahead. It's a drug to, you know, to put dogs to sleep and other oh. animals that are sick and diseased. So if that's in the dog food, you've got sick and diseased animals in your dog food. Okay. That's what the you, FDA you know, study. When, when you said, and I, thank you for elaborating upon that, because that's a key piece of information that oh my gosh. listeners and viewers, uh, passionate dog lovers acquire. But you said something about the FDA that I, I, let's just say that the FDA hit an old time low on my shit meter when you said, you know, that they don't consider dog food feed. It's like you're feeding it to the freaking dog. It's of course it's food. How is it? Well, that's actually positive that they're doing those studies, right? Because they're the one putting out the studies showing what's actually in food because they don't really support it. You know, it's the the other nutritional facilities that qualify dog food and qualify nutritional limits. So it's actually kind of positive that they are putting that out there, but take another study. If you go, if you Google university of Wisconsin, Madison, and and, um, you could Google uh, vaccination needs or titers or something like that. And there, a big article will come up. They did a huge, and this is a traditional school, right? Somebody traditional vet who would tell you to do those vaccinations every year. They did a study and they're, they're very unique. I really enjoy them. Um, They did a study bunch of dogs did titers after that first year of vaccination. So you do the puppy shots and that one year sure. of vaccines, right? They titered them every couple of years, following them along to see where their immunity lied. If they need vaccines, right, right. do you really need these things? And just like people, we over vaccinate people too in the United States. So it's not unusual. 
Yeah. And plus, I mean, we're giving the same dose to a, uh, are those little teeny tiny dolls, a Chihuahua versus a Great Dane. You got to think any common sense that that's probably not a good idea either. Um, but what they found was at eight to 10 years old, that's when yeah. you would start possibly needing vaccines. So from one to eight to 10, nada. And for some dogs, never past that first year did they need vaccine. That's not me. That's their research. Um, and so why are we vaccinating every year? Why? You know, it's, and I can really speak to the human side, I, th- I think, because so, you brought up vaccination, but, um, you know, growing up in what <laughs> some people still classify as a third world country, you know, ex-communist country, you know, for the first nine years of my life, you're absolutely right. I don't think that I mean, I remember when, you know, when we immigrated to the States, I was 14 years old, you know, what, 13, six days away from my 14th birthday. And then to actually enter a public school. Oh, my fucking God. I got vaccinated the shit out of it, honestly. And so I agree with you. I think it kind of, you know, of course, I don't know. Of course, this is totally out of my realm. Difference between humans and dogs and just, you know, pets in general when it comes to vaccination which then you know brings up the question of like well why do they test so much stuff on rats then (laughs) before they test on humans okay then it must be true right because uh if if we're gonna vaccinate humans then 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 dogs right do they really have the necessity for this many vaccinations no they just don't. I mean, you know, immunity is immunity and you test for it and it's there. It's there, you know, right. that they have lab work for that kind of thing. I do that for my clients sure. too, but you know, it's just, it's crazy. Um, we just have to engage our minds and go, you know, make sure we're seeing the right people for things. That's mm-hmm. number one, but also, and I'm not talking against either industry, you know, yep. times change, research comes up, people learn things. I am saying it's time for a change. I'm saying, you know, we've got to update whether it's the pet food industry or the traditional industry, veterinary, these things got to be added back into their curriculum. Um, But like you were saying, the country that you came from, any international country that I've noticed, they don't allow GMOs, right? Even China, genetically modified Um, organisms, you go to jail there, actually. (laughs) Who knows what they're eating over there? I won't even even say that Um, because I don't want them after me. Um, But you know, when you know those things and you realize the United States, this is the problem with all medicine. The United States calls our healthcare healthcare, mm, right? Yeah. It's sick care. And you should know with your wife, by the time you get to a traditional yeah. doctor and you go get your CBC and your CMT, which is your annual blood work, they check your lipids, check that cholesterol, see how we're doing. Yeah. And they say, Ivan, good job, Ivan. You're in the, you're in the ballpark here, right? Which is the what is that yeah. called? The little range, the range. Okay. But yeah. if you're over yeah. here or if Ivan's over here, we give you a drug, right? Yeah. And we bring you back in three months to see if it's working out for your body. But why are we doing that? We want to see if we've shut down your kidneys and liver yet. Oh <laughs> I mean, my that's, God. Yeah. that's the reality, but no, you don't say that to people just like when our grandparents are really sick and yeah. your parents tell you, Oh, the doctor's going to make her all better. Well, the doctor's going to provide drugs that block the situation you know, so that they don't have to, do, they're not restoring health. They're blocking and band-aiding and creating toxicity, you know, you know think about that. So that's the first yeah. problem. The yeah. United States is not healthcare. They're, they should be relabeled as sick care. I'm healthcare. Yep. People who reverse disease, create immunity, restore immune systems, do testing at the cellular level, which is what I do. Cause they can only test a traditional medical doctor can only yeah. do serum or red blood cell on a couple of markers. It's just, it's not their job. Um, and so yeah. I can do cellular blood testing, which is where you want the nutrients to get right. right you right. want them to get into the cells so they don't get deflated. <laughs> I'm being real, real basic. So they don't turn into cancer cells and things like that or multiply. Again, you mentioned nutrition. It's got to get to the cell. Yeah. So oh, you, um, just going to the right person for things mm-hmm. and using your head people, yeah. please don't blindly. And I've got a, I've got a doctorate. Don't follow people with degrees just because they have degrees. It's, you know, granted and minimally conferred that they've had this level of knowledge, but it also then depends how they apply it. Are they applying it to make money? 
you know, I, I hate to say that. Yeah. Are they yeah. applying it in your best interest? And you've yeah. got to really decide that for your medical care as a right. person right. and for your dog. You've yeah, really got to watch who you're dealing with, you know? You brought up, uh, I mean, the, this conversation could literally stretch to greater lengths, but, um, you know, uh, it got yeah. me thinking immediately when you were talking about, like, you know, what the doctor is going to say. And a uh, prime example. So my mom has Parkinson's disease. And, okay. um, you know, I don't know if I think it might be a hereditary thing because my grandmother had it. But let's face it, when you live in a third world country, it's like, no, nah, that's just what happens. You know, you get the shakes when you get old. Right. When it was really yeah. like, you know, part, it was Parkinson's disease. Well, my mom, I guess it's been probably three years, might be longer than that, but three years that I can remember you know, she was the heaviest that she had been, you know, and she was taking fuck, like six, seven, maybe eight different pills for Parkinson's, right? Because the neurological disease and she was taking all this stuff because the doctor or the doctors have prescribed it to really help her cope with the situation, like to be more normalized in a way to where like, you know, she didn't have like, you know, outbreaks or like, you know, uh, like mood changes or anything like that, you know, because of, you know, the Parkinson's disease. Well, long story short, fast forward is she switched doctors. I want to say she lost 50 to 60 pounds, you know, the leanest that she has been. And actually she feel, I mean, she still has Parkinson's, but guess what? I really doubled down on nutrition, heavy. The doctor was like, you just need to start eating better. You know, like you haven't done that for the majority of your life. You know, my parents were ex-smokers when they were younger. But to your mm -hmm. point is this that, you know, I think a lot of doctors and this makes me wonder because uh, I have a wife who has an autoimmune disorder, right? Uh, yeah. Sorgen syndrome. And, you know, I've had those conversations even with her. I'm like, do you realize you're taking four different pills and you're only eating twice per day? And like your nutrition sucks. You're being fed medicine to mitigate your state. Well, that, that's kind of principle the same with what, you know, traditional vets have been doing to dogs because they just want to, like you said, block the situation completely, yeah. but they don't educate you to say, well, well, how about you, 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 like, I remember when I was younger, my grandmother used to say is like, you know, just live it through. Right. Or, or find a different solution. It. it was yeah. like that old kind of, I don't want to say it was Chinese medicine, but kind of like old type of medicine that like, okay, how about you drink more water or how about you exercise more or how about you eat more fruits and vegetables, you know, mm -hmm. like, like, but nobody really talks about that anymore because you're right in medicine. Well, I should say healthcare in the United States. It's really just about money. It's an entire industry about money. Really? It is. And when you kind of realize that it's really sad and you can look at any other country, Italy, New Zealand yep. is amazing. Um, they do go to what you were just saying first, they check, are they hydrating? Are they eating food or processed food? Yeah. You know, people think things like salami and things like that is actually food and that, uh, fast food food is actually food, but it's right. processed food. And those things all came around during the world wars when, you know, soldiers went on the field to battle mm -hmm. things like deli meats that were preserved in like gobs and gobs of sodium, um, so they didn't die on the field. It's not, right. Right. was not really made to be mainstream for daily eating of foods. Just so like I tell people to look at wolves when your dog is 99% the same as a wolf. Um, I guess kind of look at the caveman. I mean, maybe not that far back, but you know, sure. they ate actual food. Um, yeah. And that's so much of the problem in the United States. Yeah. Um, it's, we allow GMOs, these genetically modified organisms, they get into our gut. Our body can't recognize them. It works on our stomach lining, creates a situation called leaky gut, which opens up everything for just about every type of autoimmune disease. Um, and I'm going to blow your mind. Um, just because you have genetic markers yeah. doesn't yeah. mean you're going to get sick because it's genetics. We know now called some, there's something's called epigenetics and you might want to look this up for your mom's Parkinson's disease. Um, there are things that precipitate and activate those okay. genes in your environment. Um, twin studies, give you a really quick example. Okay. Twins, genetically identical, right? There are studies out there. If you look up twin studies, um, you'll see that one, one twin smoked and drank and ate the worst food, you know, stuff that wasn't actually food. And the other one just led a reasonable life. They ate actual food, 
you know, had a balance of stress, exercise when they could, nothing dramatic. The one twin on the one side has got like all these age spots, gobs of wrinkles, looks 20 years older, same identical genetic component. What does this mean? It means what we do in our environment matters. If we're smoking, if we're drinking, we are turning on those genes. You turn them on, you can turn them off. Functional medicine, which is what I do, identifies the root cause of the disease. So you can stop doing that and allow your body to heal. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same thing for animals. You know, too. it's so funny. First of all, this is, you know, this has been a wealth of knowledge, you know, for everything. I, I know, I know that, but, but there's so much correlation between, you know, talking about dogs and talking about humans also and talking about <laughs> functional medicine, which what you practice, because what you just said, so I grew up basically being an Eastern European, my parents were like, you're hungry, go find something to eat. Yeah, like whatever, whatever you find. So what happened? I learned that I it's okay to eat shit 20 times a day. Candy, fruit. Oh, how about a sandwich? You know, or how about some fast food when we got to the States? Oh, man. How about some Taco Bell? You know, yeah. Or uh, how about some yes, McDonald's? Yeah. You know, oh, that sounds good. How about some nuggets? And guess what? During those times, now actually, personally, when I've spent the last couple of years like breaking all these terrible habits that I spent the vast majority of my life, is that there's a lot more mental cognition, there's a lot Mm -hmm. more alertness, a lot more energy and focus. Uh, Mm -hmm. Let's just say that. uh, So I, most people find this mind-boggling, Stephanie, that I curb my heartburn. When they tell, to, told you, we have heartburn, go take some medicine like Zantac or whatever the hell is that they prescribe nowadays, right? I was like, okay, the reason I'm getting heartburn is that I'm eating highly acidic foods. And I was actually drinking coffee that had acid in it. So when I switched my coffee brand and I stopped eating all these processed foods, what happened? No heartburn. I haven't had heartburn in like over six months now. When I do get it in the caffeine. It relaxes the sphincter and allows it to come up. There's different types of heartburn that are caused by different things, but like Mm. you just said, giving that purple pill to shut it down is the worst thing that you could possibly do health-wise because your gut is what kills everything. That acid is meant to be super high. So a medical doctor will give you Pepsid or whatever, the purple purple pill. Somebody like me says, we need to up that bad boy. More acid. Right. Right. You know, and magnesium to make sure the sphincter is working properly. But if you eat a gob of caffeine, you know, chocolate, caffeine, acidic foods, and then you mish them all together. Yes, it can affect the sphincter that holds the acid between your stomach and your esophagus. And you'll you'll get yeah. that acid reflux. I had it in college. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I that's that's like I said, at least for me, is this that I realized that all the foods, most of processed foods and it was my coffee, actually, because. I think the biggest thing for me is that when I switched my coffee, so I went from uh, I was I was drinking um, Starbucks also like like black Starbucks, which when I did more research and and into this is that I found out that they not only burn it for additional taste, but like add a bunch of other shit that people don't know. So that was obviously contributing to it. And then um, select Dunkin Donuts type of coffee, like, you know, one that you actually brew at home. Yep. It's giving me acid. So then I switched to, I was, I was looking up, I'm like non-acid coffee. Seattle's yeah. best is one that I found. And when uh-huh. I started drinking Seattle's best, uh, removed all processed foods, zero heartburn. Of course, you know, I was keeping up. I mean, I'm still like now I'm eating more better than ever I have, but there's a mention in this. You're absolutely right about like the magnesium and the other things that you mentioned. Yeah. But the biggest thing is, is that and that's just it. It's an enlightenment because I think most people think that there's something wrong with them or even with dogs. And that matters like, oh, something's wrong with my dog. I'm going to give them some medication. It's like, no, like address. You said functional yeah. medicine, address the problem at the root and do something different. Because traditionally, if they give you medicine, you stop taking the medicine problem resurfaces. Well, it's a warning. Right. When you see your dog scratching and pause, that's instead of going and getting a drug, mm-hmm. that's when you should take note. Whoa, the body's telling me there's a problem. 
And that's what I tell my clients, pay attention to your body. Your body is giving you warnings. If you address that warning, guess what? You satisfy the body and it goes away and it creates health. If you block it, put a bandaid on it, put a drug on it, push it deeper into the body. That's when you get tumors, disease, because then the body's got to go, well, I'm trying to live. That's my job. I got to put all this into fatty tumors and tumors to keep it out of my organs or you're dead. Right. <laughs> There's toxins laying in your organs. That's just basic biology about human function. And when you yeah. hear it, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, so you've just really got to, when you see those warning signs, your dog's getting sick, there's a problem. Don't antibiotic it. That's the other thing. If a vet tells you, you know, we're not sure what's wrong with your dog, but here's a bunch of antibiotics. That's the, that's the be all end all to everything. And I see people, this right. one lady took her dog in for like a, I don't know, he grew something, something in its body. Um, plus it was also very sick and lethargic. They couldn't figure it out. So they gave an antibiotic and I'm just like, for what? Well, there could possibly be something. Yeah, but they just tested your white blood cells. Right. They see, do they see? Right. And even if there is, it doesn't necessarily mean you need an antibiotic for that. I mean, if you've got a healthy gut terrain, your body, if your body's got an immune system, there are literally cells in your body that act like peroxide and spit. This is a very simplified way of explaining it, but they'll spit on the disease. And if the acid in your stomach is where it's supposed to be, which after 50, our acid level goes goes down a little bit. That's why so many older people struggle with acid reflux. You give them one pill of that identical hydrochloric acid, boom, they're running strong again. So there are a couple things with age, like CoQ10 stomach acid. But if you know that and you just give the body what it needs, your back you shouldn't have to deal with arthritis or inflammation. That's yeah. not part of yeah. getting old. You're meant to lead a vital life, healthy life, you know, running around energetic. Like you said, your energy improves. Yeah. Yeah. That's when you need to take action. When you see that yeah. rather than covering up, putting a potion, a pill, something, go to someone who can find out, who can sit with you for an hour and a half. My, my first consultations are like an hour and a half. I want to know. Did you come out C-section or did you come out in a traditional birth from there on that even sets up your gut bacteria. So I go oh. from, I go from there to where we are now. And then we identify, what are you doing? You know, you did something to get yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So we find it, we reverse it. And then we, you know, get your nutrition perfect rock and roll, you know, yeah. no, that's, I've been inspiring uh... on all cylinders, you know? So. That, you're absolutely right. And and, and first of all, I, I know we could continue on and on because there's just so much great information that you've shared. But um, before we, we wrap up this episode, first, I want to say congratulations on pursuing your passion and, and doing what you love, because most people will will not invest the time to do that because they think that they're meant to do something else. So congratulations. Congratulations on your book internationally available also. um, So people can pick it up. It's going to be kind of redone. I'm getting it redesigned, but this is what I'm right now. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Very important for, for dog lovers, but before we sign off on this episode, you know, throw out some social handles, some websites, how can other dog lovers connect with you if they want to learn more about health and wellness and nutrition, how to take care better of their dog? Yeah. Um, find me anywhere. (laughs) I'm one of those people. If you just type in your name, you know, because when you're in education, you get to know lots of people. So LinkedIn, I mean, Dr. Stephanie Kroll, you can find me there and message me there. Super easy. Um, of course my website, wellnessandhealthnow.com. It'll be obvious. It work with Dr. Stephanie. It goes to people or pets. I actually run my pets right through the same system that I run my clients through for autoimmune. I, I change the human stuff to pet stuff and you're filling sure. out a form, you know, cause I need to know, I need to know what you're putting on, what you're putting right. in the age, how much toxicity we've got to work through. Um, you know, we've got to, we've got to know before I can advise people. Well, um, I got to know these things. And so that's another great place. Um, an email would be questions at catalystgroupsolutions.com. Okay. Um, but you can find that all through my website and all of my, you know, my Facebook, my Twitter, it's all through my website is a real easy place to go. But um, I just opened my author account because they told me I need to do an author page. Okay. <laughs> I've got a dog page and other things, but my author page is just Stephanie Cole author. 
on Facebook for my business page. Um, so yeah, any LinkedIn is probably the easiest way to find me. And then I've got my book on there and you can literally just click to wherever you want to go. And if you dig really low in my profile, you're going to see all my educational stuff under, under all my current stuff. Um, so it's, and you're going to see some great, you know, referrals and evaluations from other people, what other people think about me. I've got that on my website too. Okay. Um, we have that for the real estate school too. So, um, very awesome. easy to find. Yeah. Awesome. Stephanie, I want to thank you so much for your time. Uh, yeah, I absolutely enjoyed this episode and, uh, congratulations again on your book, on pursuing your passion. Uh, that excites me, uh, when I see people like you who finally diffuse all the minutiae mediocrity of the world and yeah. go after the things that matter to them. So, uh, thank you again for coming on and, uh, I look forward Bye, to man. following you and, uh, seeing uh, what happens uh, moving forward. Absolutely. And if you need little segment primers on, Hey, what about this? Or Hey, what about that? I'm happy to talk autoimmune stuff. If you want to give me little segments on that too, I can always address certain things and educate. I mean, I'm an educator by trade, so I can't get away. It's just who I am. I love to give free information and, you know, people can make a few tweaks and they're back to actually living versus sure. not living. Um, pretty great. So um, thank you so much again. Really appreciate your time today.